Uh, Let's hear now God's word that comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter. Listen now for God's word to you today. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do for I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we pray that you will grant us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts and minds to understand your word and your world this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a little girl was in church one Sunday morning with her parents, and as the preacher was just going on and on and on and on with the sermon, the little girl turned around to her dad and she said, Daddy... If we give him the money now, will he let us go? Well, I'm not going to let you go just yet, but I am going to talk about money, at least a little bit. And that's not the easiest thing to talk about all the time, especially in church. But you know, even if we'd rather not think or talk about money too much, the truth of the matter is this, that the Bible won't let us get away from it. After all, did you know that money or possessions are the topic of one in six verses in the Old Testament and one in seven verses in the New Testament? Why is that? It's important. (laughs) That's why it's talked about all the time in the Bible. It's important to God and it was important to the people who wrote the Bible in the first place because Believe it or not, they had just as many hang-ups and issues with money and possessions as we do today, just in a, a very different context. But they worried about it, thought about it, considered it. That's why it's also frustrating that the Bible doesn't give us just one consistent, clear set of guidelines about how we should use our money or what we should do with our possessions. In various places... It says that material wealth is either A, an unmistakable sign of God's favor, or B, an insidious temptation to evil. So how is a Christian supposed to navigate and develop a spiritually mature understanding of money or possessions? Well, I think our text this morning gives us a good place to start. A man asked Jesus to solve a problem he has with his brother. 
His father has died and his older brother has inherited everything, but instead of sharing, he's keeping it all for himself. Now, the younger brother wants nothing more than to get his fair share, but Jesus isn't buying it. Because as far as he's concerned, both brothers are being equally petty. They're both concerned about just one thing, and that is getting as much as they can for themselves. So he tells them the story of the rich fool. Now, the problem with the rich fool isn't that he's rich. It's that he's a fool. He thinks that having lots and lots of stuff is going to buy him a long, happy, contented life. And as you heard, he can just sit back, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But as he soon finds out, that's not such a great plan because it can all be taken away in a flash. And when it is, no amount of wealth can buy back a life that's been totally spent. So it is, Jesus says, with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. That's a wonderful, evocative phrase, isn't it? Be rich toward God. What does that mean? Well, basically, it's paying attention to the sorts of things that are most important or most valuable to God, and then orienting your own life to value and pursue the same sorts of things. Of course, when you do that, when you prioritize your relationships with God and with other people, and your intention is to consistently express your faith in acts of love, that's going to have a big impact on all sorts of things in your life, including how you manage your bank account and your assets. Now, despite what you may have heard over the years from folks who, for whatever reason, misquote the Bible, money or possessions are not themselves the root of all evil. But, our constant striving to accumulate more and more can be the root of a whole lot of misery. John Ortberg calls it the monster of more, the monster of more. All day long we get enticed by its siren call, buy me, use me, drive me, wear me, try me on, put me in your hair, possess me, and you will truly live. So we're lured into a false feeling that if we can just get a bit more money and spend it on just a bit more stuff, everything's going to be okay. But you see, that is exactly when the monster has you trapped. And the more you try to get out of it, the more tangled up you get. But even so, there is a way out. And the key to finding it is this, to recognize the difference between what you own, what you possess, and what you really treasure. You possess a job. You treasure your family. You possess a house. You treasure a home. You possess a bank account. You treasure your friends. You possess a car. You treasure your freedom. 
You possess a great wardrobe. You treasure your health. You possess an appointment book. You treasure your time. You know, the other day I was reading a blog with a really interesting title. Coffee or Die is the title of the blog. And I realize it's debatable about whether coffee itself is one of the things you most need to treasure in your life. I mean, that's debatable. But the point of the article was this. It was all about how people in Ukraine, and I, I love the flowers today in front of the sanctuary in Ukraine's colors. The article is about how people in Ukraine were told by their government before Christmas when we didn't even have a clue, most of us, that anything was up amiss. Before Christmas, they were being told by their government to expect an imminent Russian invasion. So they should prepare what's called an emergency suitcase in case they needed to evacuate quickly. So the state emergency service advised each adult to pack a backpack weighing no more than 110 pounds, containing clothing, hygiene items, medicines, tools, personal protective equipment, and food, as well as important documents in cash. So that's what you're seeing on TV, most likely, when you see streams of refugees trying to cross borders to freedom. They're carrying their backpacks or dragging their suitcases. They are carrying with them their emergency suitcase. Now, I, I obviously, these people, have no, have no idea what direction their lives are taking right now. But they've been forced to think long and hard about what's truly essential for the road ahead, wherever it leads. And I have no idea what it's like to be a refugee. Doubt many of us do in this room or online. I can only imagine and try to support and pray for the millions of displaced people all over this world. About the closest we come here in California to thinking about what we really need in case of emergency is, of course, preparing for earthquakes and fires. And that's really important. In fact, I'm thinking about it even more these days. But when it comes down to it, what do you really need in order to make life itself worth living? What do you treasure? It's probably not the stuff you own. It's the people you love and who love you. It's the capacity you have to build and, if necessary, to rebuild a community of care where you belong, where you can grow, where you can share your life with other people. Winston Churchill said that, We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And that brings us to what we're doing here today at Piedmont Community Church. As you know, it's a big day. There's a vote on a new pastor. Then there's an important stewardship presentation. And then there are free tacos. And it doesn't get any bigger than that. 
Anyway, as I've told so many of you, I support and I'm really excited to work closely with Steve Shipstead as our new pastor. I, I can't wait for most of you who haven't had hardly any chance to get to know him, to, to get to know him after this crazy time we've had of COVID-induced uh, distancing. You're going to like him. It's going to be good. Because now is the time for us all to get on board this ship we call the church and move it forward in mission and in ministry. It's time to grow. And it's time to give. So when you get your financial commitment card, the old-fashioned word is pledge card. Anyway, when you get your financial commitment card, I encourage you to be as faithful and generous as you can be to support our life together as a congregation, a community beloved by God and treasured by so many people, near and far. So I'll close this morning with a story. It's told by a social worker named Florence Farrier. And she got to know this family called the Sheltons in Appalachia. Very poor family in one of those hollers up in West Virginia. She writes this. The Sheldons were a large family in severe financial distress after a series of misfortunes. One day I visited them in the ramshackle house they lived in at the edge of the woods. Mr. Sheldon had shot and butchered a bear, which had strayed into their yard once too often. The meat had been processed into these big canning jars so there'd be enough meat in their diet during the worst of the winter when their fuel costs were high. Mr. Sheldon offered me a jar of bear meat, which I hesitated to accept. But he met my unspoken resistance firmly, saying, Now you just have to take this. We want you to have it. We don't have much, that's a fact. But we ain't poor. And the social worker couldn't resist but asked the question, what's the difference? And Mr. Sheldon answered in an unforgettable way. He said this, when you give something away, even when you don't have much, you ain't poor. When you don't feel easy giving anything away, even if you've got more than you need, Then you're poor, whether you know it or not. Well, you know, here in Piedmont, we ain't poor. Relative to so many other places on this earth, we have more than enough. The challenge and the blessing is to give what you can to support what you treasure. So this morning, I invite you to ask yourself, what's in your barn? Think about it. Pray about it. Then do something about it. Give faithfully and generously and be rich toward God as God is rich toward you. In Jesus' name, amen.